0: It's your hype girl here okay i have set the mood i set the vibe for today i've got a candle going i have my iced coffee over here i believe in you know transferring energy through my voice right so i set the vibe here so that no matter what's going on in your world what kind of chaos is going on around you I hope that you feel this vibe. I hope it transfers in little ways to you through my voice. So it's not just for me, it's for you too. But all right, let's get into it. If you struggle with anxiety, then you're going to get so much value out of this episode. I finished the book, Untangle Your Anxiety. I highlighted the shiz out of it. highly suggest this book if you experience anxiety or panic attacks. I'll link it in the show notes, but on this episode, I'm going to talk about some of the main takeaways from this book, quick tips, and even some good activities for people who struggle with anxiety. So let's start with the good news. You are not broken. Anxious thoughts and vivid imaginations can actually be signs of intelligence. They form part of our rationalization process, which is when the brain scans through all of the potential scenarios and their consequences which is great for when we need to look for actual threats, right? An important process for keeping us safe, alive, and thinking through our actions. However, this can become overactive where we start to see worst case scenario in every situation. Even if it's just a tiny, 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 slim chance, we like to grab that worst case scenario and it sets off the alarm bells or danger. Too much stress can also put you in this state of excessive anxiety, which then can put you in that loop of anxiety. Anxiety feeds anxiety. Like you can start having fear of anxiety itself. Like for me, I have social anxiety. So before an event, I panic in preparation for the anxiety that I might experience at the event. Counterproductive, right? So what I find interesting is stress for a long period of time, overworks our sympathetic nervous system. So I don't worry, I'm going to give you tools for anxiety. But first, I love kind of going behind the scenes of, of what's going on. So if you have, you know, stress for a long period of time, it, it's overworking your sympathetic nervous system. This is the system responsible for our fight or flight or freeze mode it's responsible for our adrenaline, it's what we use when we're under pressure or to get through a stressful situation. The parasympathetic nervous system is when we are resting, relaxing, sleeping, and it helps restore our nerves. Well, if you're overworking your sympathetic nervous system, your fight or flight mode So not enough rest time, right? Not enough restorative time, right? This can lead to excessive anxiety, which then can easily develop into an anxiety disorder, which makes so much sense as to how going through something traumatic or experiencing stress over a long period of time can develop into an anxiety disorder. In the book, they use this example of a stress jug. So imagine you have this jug And anytime you experience stress, it gets poured into the jug. This can be everyday stressors or chronic illness or unprocessed stress like grief, trauma. When this jug gets too full, so when our sympathetic nervous system gets overused, our body sends us warning signals to stop. Our body is telling us, danger, danger, I don't want to take on any more stress your brain interprets this jug overflowing as danger itself. And that's when we can get caught in that anxiety loop. I'm bringing this up because it can be important to know what goes on behind the scenes in our brains when this is happening. I think understanding it can help calm the fear around anxiety itself. Because a lot of times people who experience anxiety end up getting anxiety over the anxiety, right? And to have that awareness of how much we are like in a stressful state, how much stress is currently in our lives. And while we can't control every stressor, we can try to minimize the stressors in our life or cut some things off the to-do list if you need to, or make sure we are slowing down and making time for rest, making rest a priority in this hustle culture, fast-paced world. No wonder why so many of us experience anxiety. We are taught productivity is connected to worthiness. Rest is lazy. Busy is a badge. We need to change our beliefs around rest, recovery, slowing down, and normalize that for yourself and for your body. Normalize rest. So excessive anxiety or disordered anxiety is when a threat response misfires. At times we don't want it to. Right? This is this can come from being unintentionally conditioned to. Right, You also may experience the feeling of being on edge or hyper alert or maybe you are jumpy. This is the cortisol, the stress hormone that keeps you in a half threat mode. You might be going about your day, but you are still on high alert. You can't relax because you are constantly on alert for a possible threat. I think this is good to know. If you're like me, I like to understand what is going on behind the scenes. It makes anxiety itself less scary. And again, hello, stress hormones are playing a huge role in this. So now that we have a little understanding of what's going on behind the scenes, what are some actionable steps we can take for anxiety? So let's talk about exposure. It's giving me anxiety just thinking about it. Oh my. So exposure is a technique used to desensitize yourself to your anxiety. When we get anxiety, we tend to panic and try to do everything in our power to get rid of it or distract ourselves from it, right? But what this is actually doing is conditioning ourselves to fear it more. Our brain is saying there is a threat, which if there is really a threat, then obviously do what you need to do, girl. But if you know that there's not an actual severe threat, You're not actually going to die. I know our brains can trick us and we might feel like it, but when we react to the threat signal, right? We stop what we were originally doing, pace around, grab a drink, run away from the situation, whatever it might be, by reacting to the threat signal, you are reinforcing to your brain that there was in fact a threat that you had to attend to, right? So the next time you're in that situation, or see a certain trigger, your brain is going to fire off again. Ah, there's that threat again. You need to do something, do something. And that's where we get stuck in that cycle of anxiety. We keep telling our brain that there is something to react to. We validate that danger signal and reinforce it. So here's where it gets tricky, right? You have to do the thing. So with exposure, You can go in increments or baby steps or ease yourself in, which is what I prefer, or you can go all in. So, say you have a fear of elevators. This is just an example. I'm a visual learner, so I wanted something you could imagine in your mind. But you could start by sitting outside of an elevator, right? And getting comfortable with sitting there, hearing the elevator noises. The people going on and off the elevator, hearing it go up and down and ding when it gets to your level, right? I know, you know what sounds I'm talking about, right? There's so many different triggers that that can be there. Practice showing your body that it is safe there and it doesn't need to be sending you alarm signals. Then you can ease into going up one level, right? Like going onto the elevator and taking a level up, right? And so on and so on. Another example for me, I have a needle phobia and don't even get me started on the amount of needles going into people's arms on TV right now, okay? (laughs) But I always have like tightened my whole body and looked away when it's on the screen, which was just reinforcing to my brain that a needle is something to fear. Like I'm a baby when I'm getting blood drawn, okay? But now I know that I can practice not reacting When I'm watching, you know, medical shows that seem to just love to show needles, right? Or the other day, I was so proud of myself. I killed a spider. And instead of running frantically towards the trash can with like the heebie-jeebies, right? I practiced walking calmly to the trash can. And I let that spider hang out in that tissue on my hand for a minute while I calmed my body, right? And I know those are like specific phobia examples, but think about the anxiety in your life. Think about what specific triggers you might have. Do you avoid certain places or certain routes on your drive? Do you avoid conversations or responding to tough emails? Do certain sounds, objects, places, people trigger your anxiety? I know there's also lingering anxiety. Like For me, I know I'm generally always anxious or hyper alert. There There isn't always a trigger, but by working on exposure to some of your triggers, right? The things that you know are triggering you and really feeling the transformation that exposure can have and feeling that anxiety go down, which takes practice, right? It might still be there, but being aware that it's going down can really help take away the helplessness that you may be experiencing with anxiety, and can really help you start to feel more in control and empowered with your anxiety. Like, I avoided working on my anxiety for so long because I thought there was no way in hell anything was going to help it. But through exposure, I've been able to see the little ways that we can actually recondition our brains. And yeah, there may still be a shiz ton of work ahead, but you get to take the power back. And that opens up more possibilities in your world than... When you can start to see things with less and less anxiety. Another side tip that I want to state they talked about this in the book, but calling your panic attacks adrenaline rushes because you are not under attack. You are having an adrenaline rush, and your body will do what it's made to do to bring you back to homeostasis, and your adrenaline will run out. It feels scary but that doesn't mean we have to be scared of it. But I loved that because it takes the attack out of it. It's calling it out for what it actually is, which is an adrenaline rush. And you can Google what happens to your body when it's releasing adrenaline, right? It's a lot of those symptoms of like the racing heart, sweating, etc. cetera. But knowing that your body is having a normal response to adrenaline can help take the fear of those symptoms away. I'm huge on empowerment. Knowledge is power. Know what's going on behind the scenes with your body so that you know how to better work with it. All right, some other tips. rate your anxiety. these are these are all these tips are from the book. It's really cool. It's a great book. Rate your anxiety. When you are experiencing anxiety, rate it from zero to ten, the intensity of your anxiety. When you're working on your anxiety, it's really important to not be self-critical. You have to give yourself extra love and patience. And rating your anxiety can really help you see your improvements. So instead of like being upset at yourself for experiencing anxiety again and again, you may be able to say, well, wow, my anxiety is usually around a nine when I take my child to public places, but now it's more of a seven. That's improvement." right? Give yourself positive reinforcement. The journey isn't going to be perfect or linear. I say this all the time. Healing is not linear. Personal development is not linear. The reasons I repeat this is because I see so many people beat themselves up over not healing fast enough or moving forward fast enough or for having setbacks. And getting upset at yourself only feeds into the loop of anxiety or discouragement your own best friend. Stop beating yourself up for not being a perfect Barbie robot. If Barbie was a real human, she wouldn't be able to stand. I don't remember where I heard that, and I'm, I think it's true. I feel like it's true, but I, I think it was a really interesting um, information. But give yourself grace on whatever journey you are on, because you're not a perfect human. It's just, it's not possible. Release that need. Okay, so we have exposure therapy. We are calling panic attacks adrenaline rushes. We are rating our anxiety. We are giving ourselves grace and we are not reacting to false danger alarms. I love the activity in the book that asks you to write out what would your week or day look like if you didn't have anxiety? What would you be doing? This activity is important because. It's how we show our brain that we are not in actual danger, by not responding to the false danger alarm, by continuing to do what you would normally be doing. A great example that they use in the book is fire alarms. Say you're at your workplace and they notify you that they are testing the fire alarms at a certain time, right? That you don't need to do anything, they're just going around to make sure they're working, right, you know the drill. So when the alarm goes off, you know it's a false alarm. Do you stop everything that you're doing and run outside? No, because you know it's a false alarm. So you continue to do your job because there's no actual threat. You just continue doing what you were already doing. So think of your brain like an internal alarm system. If you have a hyperactive alarm, know that you don't need to respond to every signal. Be aware of the false alarms and you can turn them off by doing nothing about them right, by being in the present moment, by going about your day as normal. And it won't always be comfortable, but it's how you begin to show your brain that it doesn't need to continue sending off alarm bells. This was so eye-opening to me because I was always responding to my alarm. I would stop what i'm doing and pace around or i would go sniff my lavender you know i would obsessively research a new restaurant before going to it i would go on my phone to distract myself or i would avoid situations and i wondered why i do so much personal development work and so much internal work yet my anxiety seemed to only get worse because i was reinforcing it even obsessively checking in on your anxiety reinforces it if i don't have anxiety about something I am finding something to have anxiety about, right? All these ways that we think we are coping is actually reinforcing it. It's crazy. It's very eye-opening for me. I hope it's helpful to you. I already started implementing these tools and it's scary to implement, but it's powerful. And you get to see patterns beginning to break before your eyes instead of them continually being reinforced. So your homework for today is to write what would an average day look like if you didn't have anxiety and write what your week would look like too so what would you be doing take the avoidance behaviors away the reactions to your false alarms what does that look like really get in there and get detailed i bet you will find more possibilities maybe more adventures, you may even begin to see areas where you're holding yourself back or the people you love back, right? Because a lot of times we push our anxieties onto the people we love without realizing it. All right, I have to state this. Whenever we talk about anything trauma-related, and anxiety can sure as heck come from trauma, I am a crisis and suicide first, first aid certified, but I am not a therapist. I'm an imperfect human with an imperfect podcast, and I'm sharing the cool tools I find with you. Inner healing, personal development can be triggering depending on your circumstances. Sometimes things can become more painful before they get better. Sometimes we have to open up old wounds so we can properly heal them. So as always, talk to a professional therapist who can help you along your journey. You don't have to go it alone. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode and you found it helpful, please, please, please reach out to me and let me know. This episode was a little different. I have been working on it for a while. Sometimes these episodes take more research and it can be hard to simplify such deep topics into a podcast episode. So if you need any more clarification, do not hesitate to ask. Uh, I'll also link the book below. It's called Untangle Your Anxiety. It goes deeper deeper into all of this, but this is where I got a lot of this information from, but reach out and let me know if you like this style of episode. I love sharing what I'm reading or learning about in hopes that it can help you too. Now go make your list of what your day and week would look like without anxiety and practice living by that. Practice not responding to that false alarm. Practice doing what you might be doing if you didn't have anxiety. I would love to know if you are implementing this, so send me a message if you are, or post about it and tag me. And I feel like we need to make bracelets that say, what would non-anxious me do? Yo! Okay, I forgot. I thought I was going to be so cool and like end off the episode with this cool just last sentence, you know, go out with the bing. No, you know, I forgot. I forgot to talk to you about the 24 Days of Mindset deck. It is out now. I will link it below. So if you enjoy doing mindset exercises, kind of like the ones we talked about here in this episode, then you will love this deck. It is also great for the holiday season, great stocking stuffer, great for you know, anyone in your life who might be struggling right now, struggling with mental health or even seasonal depression, um, anyone who's really into personal development and diving deeper into their mindset. So you can get that now. It's available while supplies last. They have been going um, pretty fast this holiday season, but I will be buying more supplies soon. So be sure to check it out. The link is in the bio. And as always, thank you so much for being here. link is not in the bio. This is not Instagram. Who allowed me to have a podcast? That's what I want to know. Who allowed this? The link is in the show notes or you can go to my Instagram at where that will be in the bio. Thank you for being here.